This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. This guy's still walking. And following commands. Not for Taser, I think. Which way are they facing? Place one, they're facing westbound. Uh, I think he may have just been tasered. Shot fired! Ooh. 321, we have shot fired. We have one suspect down. We need to enter here. Let's get right into it. You know what show this is. You know who you're listening to. What you just heard was audio from the shooting death of Terrence Crutcher, who was an unarmed black man killed September 16th, 2016 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, by Officer Betty Shelby, who happened to be a white officer. And she was acquitted last week of manslaughter. I want to talk about that here on Beyond the Badge. I want to talk about why she was acquitted We talked about this case on this show before. I gave you my insight then of what and how I thought this trial would go, and it went exactly how I said it would go, and I want to talk about it. I want to dive deep into it tonight here on Beyond the Badge. Let's go. All right, let's take a stroll down memory lane here for just a few minutes. Back in September, Officer Betty Shelby uh, was on her way to a call. She observed, according to her, a black male Uh, walking uh, along the street. She goes to her call. She's coming back. She observes a Lincoln Navigator parked in the middle of the street. The engine's running. Uh, There's no one around it. But she also observes the same black male walking towards the vehicle. Now, the vehicle was blocking the street. It was parked in a way that it was on both sides of the street, a two-lane road. And of course, what is a police officer supposed to do? They're supposed to investigate that. So she makes contact with Terrence Crutcher. She asks, hey, man, is this your vehicle? At some point, she begins to give Terrence Crutcher commands like, hey, I need to talk to you. Come here. But if you watch the video and we've all seen the video, you can see Terrence Crutcher walking towards his vehicle with his hands up in the air. Now. The controversy was that he had his hands up. He was not doing anything. But from an officer's standpoint, he was not complying with Betty Shelby's commands to stop while she investigates what's going on. Because a layman may not know this, but any police officer knows that a vehicle is a kill spot. If you're already outside of the vehicle, The last thing an officer wants is for a suspect or a subject at that point to get back in the vehicle. We don't know if there's guns. We don't know if you're going to flee. We don't know if you're going to run me over. We don't know. So you can see that she's giving commands. You heard in the audio that I played at the very beginning of the show that the helicopter pilot said he's not obeying commands. He's still walking to the uh, to the vehicle. So he's walking to the vehicle. One officer shows up as a backup. I believe he tases Terrence Crutcher. And then at some point you hear a gunshot and you hear her say shots fired. Now, where it gets tricky, where it gets confusing, especially to those that have never done this job, is the fact that he was unarmed, right? 
But let's look at what the officer and the officers saw before the shooting. Now, Terrence Crutcher walking to the vehicle. His right arm drops just before the shooting. The officer testified that the window was down in the vehicle. So, windows down in the vehicle, you have your hands up, they start to drop. Could it be that he was reaching for something? We know now that he was unarmed, but at that exact moment, that split second, did Officer Betty Shelby know that Terrence Crutcher was unarmed? In her testimony, she had stated, I believed he was on some type of narcotic. And what did they find in his system? PCP. Now, she gets charged with manslaughter and it goes to trial. Now, before the trial and while it's waiting to go to trial, of course, the family attorney and all of the civil rights movements and the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, they're coming out with stuff they have no knowledge of, just making assumptions, saying that the window couldn't have been down and that the window was up, therefore he couldn't have reached for anything and all of this other stuff. And, you know, he was being compliant because his hands were in the air. Well, compliance is if I tell you to stop, you stop. You don't continue to walk, even with your hands up in the air. That is not compliant from a law enforcement point of view, from a law point of view. That is not compliant to her commands. So she gets charged with manslaughter. And I want to read the definition of manslaughter and then dive into what went down in the trial. So manslaughter occurs when a person is strongly provoked under circumstances that could similarly provoke a reasonable person and kills in the heat of passion aroused by that provocation. For heat of passion to exist, that person must not have had significant time to cool off from the provocation. That's important. Had significant time to cool off from the provocation. So two things that are important. Time to cool off, which officers never have when they think their life is in danger, and provocation, right? Those are important. So the case goes to trial. She's acquitted after nine hours of deliberation. Now, of course, during a trial, the jury sees and hears evidence. They see and hear a lot of evidence that the public was not privy to just based on the minute and a half video that you saw on mainstream media. They see and hear evidence that the Black Lives Matter was not privy to, that all of these groups were not privy to. Now, what's important to realize is that three of the 12 jurors were African-American that acquitted this white officer. So, had this case been built on race, as people say, and given the current climate of how supposedly African-Americans feel about police, I think, I think if those three African-American jurors really felt the way they did and really thought that this officer was not justified, they probably would have voted not guilty and it would have resulted in a hung jury. So let's look at some of the evidence they looked at. Now, this is coming from 
an anonymous letter from one of the jurors after the decision was made. He wrote this letter to some of the media outlets to explain their decision. Now, on the matter of the open window, it is clear to the jury after intensely studying the video, still photos, and the testimony that the windows to the SUV driven by Terrence Crutcher that evening were open and that the jury believes from said evidence that Terrence Crutcher did in fact reach into the window, disobeying the instructions of the police officers on the location. Now, from the beginning, the officer and the other officers on the scene had the exact same story, that the window to the navigator on the driver's side was down and that Terrence Crutcher was disobeying their commands. Now, the jury, again, looking at the video for probably several hours, looking at still photos, came to the same conclusion that the window was down. He did indeed reach into the window, which is what the officer said from the beginning. So from the officer point of view, at that exact moment, that split second, I'm sure she was able to articulate that she believed that he was reaching for a weapon given the circumstances. He was not complying to commands. The juror goes on to say, on the matter of the instance in which Terrence Crutcher was shot, i.e. translation, the split second decision that officers have every day of their lives, the jury concluded that any officer put in that situation at the exact moment and regardless of the skin color, gender, or size of the suspect, would have performed the same way, which is in accordance with their law enforcement training. By all evidence presented, that instance required action, which two officers took simultaneously, meaning the backup officer tased and Officer Shelby fired her weapon, her handgun. That moment, according to the evidence presented, was unfortunate and tragic, but justifiable due to the actions of the suspect. Now, I've said that on this show a hundred times, that police use the amount of force necessary to effect the arrest. They escalate based on the suspect's actions. This is a jury of 12 civilians who have no police training saying the exact same thing, saying that's why Terrence Crutcher was shot based on his actions. And remember, three of those jurors were African-American. Now, here's the biggest matter of all, in my opinion. Remember, I read the definition of manslaughter and talked about the heat of passion. Now, the juror who wrote this, who apparently was the juror foreman, says, on the matter of heat of passion, the jury was provided a very specific instruction regarding the heat of passion aspect of the manslaughter and the first degree charge. Key to these instructions was that the intense emotion had to dominate the person's thought process at every instant of the act of homicide. Evidence presented led the jury to believe that Officer Shelby was indeed fearful, increasingly so as the incident escalated. However, the jury concluded that she did act within the confines of her training at that very moment 
when the homicide was committed. The evidence presented did not prove beyond a reasonable doubt anything to the contrary other than training, not fear, dominated in her choice to perform the action at the time she discharged her weapon. Quite simply, in layman terms, that translates to her training, not her emotions, not her feelings towards a black male made her pull that trigger. This is a jury of 12 non-trained in law enforcement individuals making this determination that it was her training, not her emotions, and definitely not her feelings towards the opposite race that made her pull that trigger on that day. They even said it. It was the suspect's actions, the actions of the suspect, which made her decision to pull that trigger justifiable on that day, September 16th, 2016. Now, the foreman does go on to say that there's probably something she could have done to prevent uh, Crutcher's death. She could have used a taser. Now, there's something that I remember in her interview with 60 Minutes where she said he appeared to be on some type of narcotic, maybe PCP. And what was found in his system? PCP. Now, surely I'm not making excuses and not Monday morning quarterbacking, but having been in a situation where someone is under the influence of a narcotic and having seen out in the field where individuals can be tased and look at you like it's nothing, maybe, maybe in that second while this was escalating and she had already concluded that maybe he's on a narcotic, maybe she already knew that a taser was not going to work because I don't understand how many times I can say this. If you don't believe me, go YouTube it, how people have been tased, especially under the influence of narcotics and it not work. Or it could have been that Terrence Crutcher was considerably larger than the officer. So he's considerably larger she thinks he's under the influence of a narcotic where a taser may not work. Maybe she thought that the only option was to pull out her handgun, her service weapon, because let's not forget what led to this. He was not complying with her commands. He's walking back to a vehicle that was abandoned in the street that's running, and she doesn't know What's inside that vehicle? And surely she doesn't want to run in front of him to try to go clear the vehicle first. That's not going to work because he could have easily jumped in it, ran her over, grabbed her, whatever. So she was doing what her training told her to do. The vehicle is the kill zone for a police officer. Close your eyes and imagine this with me for just one second. Let's just say... And my eyes are closed, I promise. Let's just say that she did not pull out her service weapon. And she continued to give Terrence Crutcher commands to get, stop, come here, let me talk to you. But he gets in the vehicle, or he reaches in the vehicle, and he pulls out a gun, and he shoots her seven times. Oh, you don't think it'll happen? Just ask the deputy officer in Orlando who was shot and killed the female officer. Oh, you don't believe it'll happen? 
Just go ask the countless officers that have been shot and killed this year. Oh, you can't ask them because they're not here. So my point is, had the officer not reacted the way she did, what's to say she wouldn't be dead right now? More importantly, would it even be a story in the mainstream media? Or would it just be a 30-second package of, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a police officer was shot and killed today while dealing with a suspect who was armed and dangerous? And that's all we would have heard about it. But because she relied on her training, she had a suspect who was not complying with commands, who was under the influence, who had warrants, and I'm not justifying that. I'm saying maybe that led to why he didn't want to comply because he knew she would find out about the warrant. But because she decided to pull the trigger and rely on her training, she's the bad guy. When in theory, she just happened to be at the wrong place at the right time. That is the nature of policing most of the time. The officers are in the wrong place at the right time. I can't tell you how many people I've arrested being in the wrong place at the right time. I can't tell, tell you how many times I had to pucker up my butthole because I was in the wrong place at the right time. And the person ended up being wanted for murder or they had a kilo of cocaine or they had a bunch of warrants. Wrong place, right time. That happens in police work 90% of the time. She was just going to another call, which had nothing to do with Terrence Crutcher. But because of his actions, parking in the middle of the street with the vehicle running, not complying to her commands. His actions made her encounter him. She didn't go looking for Terrence Crutcher because he was black and because he was big. She was looking for Terrence Crutcher because when she saw the vehicle and at the same time he's walking towards the vehicle, he brought himself into the picture. Betty Shelby did not bring Terrence Crutcher into the picture. She did not go out looking for Terrence Crutcher. She definitely didn't go out looking to kill Terrence Crutcher. Now, her police chief in Tulsa has said she will return to work, but not in a patrol capacity. Now, the community there in Tulsa demanded she get fired. She didn't return to work, but she was cleared in the charges. And what whatever this uh, non-patrol status is, I'm curious. And honestly, I would question if I wanted to go back to that job, because as an officer, if I was doing my job and I know I was doing my job and I was acting in accordance with the law and the use of force continuum and I was tried for manslaughter, if you go back to patrol, you're going to question every decision you do. And then that split second is going to turn to 15 and 20 seconds. And in those 15 and 20 seconds, either you're going to die or your backup officer is going to die or somebody's going to die because you're going to question everything you do because you don't want to pull the trigger. Because if you do, even though you're acting in accordance with the law and the use of force continuum, you're going to be the bad guy. So I'm curious to find out what this non-patrol job that she's going to have is. But we all know that she's not going to be able to perform that job peacefully because there's going to be complaints. There's going to be criticism. 
There's going to be demands for her to be fired. And eventually, I'm sure if it hasn't happened yet, they're going to demand the police chief resign for giving her her job back. But the fact is, she deserves her job back. She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't do anything criminally wrong, civilly wrong. She didn't violate any civil rights. Terrence Crutcher's actions led to his death ultimately. When will society and when will the people like the Black Lives Matter movement realize that this police using deadly force doesn't just occur in the black community? It is a trap by mainstream media to get their ratings. That's all it is. Let me ask this. And a lot of you are going to have to Google this, but who has heard of the name Tony Collins? Probably no one. Tony Collins was shot and killed by Gavinston, Texas police, an off-duty police officer, shot and killed for carrying a pink BB gun. Guy got out of the car, dropped the gun, dropped the gun. He shoots. They're dead. Now, here's what's important. A, it's a she. B, she's white. But how many people outside of Galveston, Texas, and her family have heard anything about Tony Collins? Nobody, because it doesn't fit the agenda that mainstream media wants people to see to get their ratings. This is how shows get awards. This is how shows get extended. This is how news anchors get their awards for covering stories like this that captivate people's minds and makes changes in society. There's no change in society. Every time someone does something to cause police to use deadly force, they're going to use deadly force. But if it doesn't fit the agenda of mainstream media... What difference does it make that you hear about it? Well, I know what the difference is. The difference is to make you think that it only occurs in the black community or it only occurs to black males. This is not true. The use of force, the use of deadly force occurs across all races. So you remember Tamir Rice out in Cleveland who had the BB gun, the 12 year old black boy that there were protests, there were riots, there was demands for people to get fired, and it was just another black boy killed by racist white police. Well, Tony Collins was a white female with a BB gun. Is there any difference there? You have the same circumstances. Is there any difference besides the sex in the race? The outcome was the same. But as long as society, as long as communities listen to mainstream media and don't educate themselves on what's really going on, we'll always have divisiveness. The white police officer will always be a racist devil. They'll always just want to kill black boys in the black community. But I urge people to learn what's really going on. On, Because as many people that are upset that Betty Shelby was acquitted of manslaughter, they A, don't understand the law 
and they don't understand again that it was Terrence Crutcher's actions, not hers, that caused her to pull that trigger because she didn't go out looking for Terrence Crutcher. This isn't 1942 where the Klan just goes out looking for black guys walking down the street to lynch them. No, it was him and his actions that made that officer interact with him. And it was his actions that caused her to use deadly force against him. Before I get into my 10-7 segment, because we're just about out of time, I want to list this YouTube video and I want you to go watch it. And it's about people being tased and not having any effect. And then I want you to think about everything we talked about in this case with Betty Shelby and the taser and what she said about him being on PCP. There's two videos I want you to look at on YouTube and excuse the French. One is titled Taser Don't Do Shit to a Raging Black Dude. It's about a 17 second video and you can see the prongs go directly in his chest because he has a rip in his shirt and it has no effect on him. And then the other one, super, superhuman man immune to tasers. It's about a two and a half minute video. Watch those videos and watch the individual in the two and a half video get tased several times and still punch and kick and fight with the officers. So if again, if you don't believe me that tasers don't always work, if you think you watch enough police movies where people just drop immediately from a taser and that they always work, you're sadly, sadly mistaken. Now, here's a police shooting you probably didn't hear about either. I'm going to segue right into my 10-7 segment. And tonight, I honor Deputy Sheriff Mason Moore, Broadwater County Sheriff's Office, office in Montana. End of watch was May 16th, 2017. Deputy Sheriff Mason Moore was shot and killed while involved in a pursuit of a vehicle near mile marker 109 and Highway 287 south of Interstate I-90. The vehicle he was pursuing had fled as he attempted to stop it for a traffic violation. During the pursuit, the occupants opened fire, severely wounding him and causing his vehicle to go off the roadway. The suspects then made a U-turn and returned to the patrol car where they fired over two dozen rounds into the car, striking Deputy Moore twice in the head. A short time later, members of the Montana Highway Patrol located the suspect vehicle and attempted to stop it. The ensuing pursuit traveled through several counties as the occupants continued firing at the officers. When the pursuit ended, the suspects exited the car and began to exchange shots with officers before being mortally wounded. The vehicle's driver was taken into custody and subsequently charged with 16 counts of premeditated deliberate homicide. The investigation revealed that the father and son team had intended to murder a law enforcement officer that night. Deputy Moore had served with the Broadwater County Sheriff's Office for three years and had served in law enforcement for a total of 15 years. He is survived by his wife and three children. So go back to what we talked about today. Go back to that window being down. Go back to that officer's mindset that her life could have been in jeopardy and read the story of Deputy Sheriff Mason Moore on the Officer Down Memorial page 
and try to understand why the officer, Betty Shelby, reacted the way she did. My prayers to Deputy Sheriff Moore's family. I want to thank him for his service. I want to thank him for paying the ultimate sacrifice and protecting and serving the community because that's what he was doing that day. He was chasing a car that was shooting at him. He knew if he didn't catch this car that they could possibly go out and shoot someone, a citizen in the community. He was protecting and serving. I want to thank you for listening. I will see you next week. A special air night on Thursday next week beyond the badge. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. If you're a serious athlete, a weekend warrior, parent, or coach, join us each week as we investigate the latest trends and research coming out of the sport performance world. We'll visit with top athletes, coaches, and sports scientists to keep you on the cutting edge and to find out what it truly takes to achieve human maximum performance. You can visit us online at CrushPerformance.com and Crush Performance Radio with me, Jeff Kershell, can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and at Radio Influence.